welcome to the UK Dividend Investor, Episode 3, looking into the Junior Individual Savings Account with a view of getting your children a financial boost into adulthood. So this episode has come about owing to a development in the past couple of weeks, and by this I don't mean a personal development. My very soon-to-be wife is not pregnant and I currently remain child-free, meaning that I have no children yet. However, a colleague who's recently joined my team has disclosed during a one-to-one meeting that his partner has recently found out that she is pregnant. Naturally, conversation turned to how we would be able to support him when the time comes for medical appointments and when the baby is due, as well as offering a wider support network and for me to be a point of contact should he have any concerns. This being his first child, he is experiencing a mix of emotions from joy up to sheer panic. One of the main concerns he expressed was the financial impact it will have on him and his partner. They both work full time and his partner will have her maternity leave. Now this can range from being a minimum of two weeks to a year. It is most common for a full year to be taken. However, that full year isn't on full pay and is broken down as being in 90% of your average weekly earnings before tax for the first six weeks and then either £172 or 90% of your average weekly earnings, whichever is lower, for the next 33. Anyway, I digress ever so slightly. When discussing the financial impacts on my colleague, we spoke about overtime and keeping an eye out for overtime opportunities and putting himself forward as soon as the opportunities come out. Having formally concluded the one-to-one, conversation turned to the cost of living crisis and his worries about how his child likely won't be able to afford much at all when they are eventually an adult. I mentioned to him that he could always open a junior ISA once his child is born and he would be able to gradually build a fund for his child for when they turn 18. To my surprise, my colleague had never heard of a junior ISA. He knew of ISAs, but didn't know that he would be able to open one for his child after it was born. And this got me thinking, how many other future parents, or current parents even, don't know that they are able to open an ISA for their child to slowly but gradually build a nest egg for the child utilising the eighth wonder of the world being compound interest. I would also like just to clarify when I'm mentioning parents I'm referring to an individual who is responsible for the care and upbringing of a child and not just biological parents. So what is a junior ISA or JISA? This is an individual savings account which are opened by parents for their children as a long-term and tax-free savings account. They effectively replaced the child trust funds in 2011. To open a JISA, the child must be under 18 years of age and living in the United Kingdom. Or if they are living outside of the United Kingdom, the parent needs to be a crown servant, such as an overseas civil servant or part of the armed forces, and the child is dependent on that parent for care. The parent effectively manages the account and the funds belong to the child. The parents cannot withdraw any funds from the account and the child will take full control of the account 
when they are 16, but cannot withdraw any funds until they are 18. I feel this gives a good amount of time for parents to inform their child about the account's existence, but also to educate them on financial management. Like with most ICEs, the JICER also comes in two forms. One is a cash ISA, where you will not pay any tax on interest, or as a stocks and shares JISA, where you won't pay any tax on capital gains or dividend payments. Once the account has been opened, currently you can invest up to £9,000 a year through either a lump sum throughout the year or a combination of both. So why open a JISA? In short, you'll be setting your child up financially for when they become an adult. Not only this, but if your child decides to continue the investment, they will be set up financially and could well be financially independent and opt for early retirement, the overall goal of any investor. To explore this a bit further, let's look at an example. I'm going to be using an online calculator to produce these results. Let's open a JISA in May 2023. Knowing I was going to be doing this, I've saved up £1,000, which I will add immediately to the account, and I'm going to set up £100 monthly payments. I'm going to select investments, which will give me an annual dividend yield of 4%, which is an easily achievable figure. I'm also going to seek for a relatively modest 5% annual dividend increase, and a modest 5% annual share price appreciation. And I'm going to invest for 18 years so that the account can be passed over on the 18th birthday. As this is an ISA, there is no dividend tax or capital gains tax. At the end of the 18 years, the ending balance is £54,700.14, which is a total return of 142.04%. This final sum produces £2,228 and 57 pence in dividends a year. At this point, your child now has, at current market prices anyway, a significant amount for a deposit on a house, buying their first car, or whatever they want to do with it. This is very much dependent on the financial knowledge that this child, now an adult, would have. There is a risk that this pot could be blown on poor purchase choices and splashed around with very little to show for it. However, that being said, if this now adult chooses to continue to invest this pot by transferring it to an ISA, they could up in a very good position. Let's say they decided to continue paying £100 a month until they were 45. What would the fund look like at that point? Out of ease, we'll keep the same modest figures of a 4% dividend yield and 5% dividend growth and share price appreciation. At the end of the 45 years, the balance would stand at £695,563.98 and would produce £28,368.57 in dividends per year. Now, given the passage of time, it is likely that somebody following this path would be able to invest more than £100 a month at some points at least and they may then be in a position to continue and invest more and see this figure grow substantially more 
This example goes to show the long-term benefits of compounding interest and how from a small acorn a mighty oak can grow. It is going to be able to offer much better retirement prospects than any state pension would ever be able to offer. The current state pension currently stands at £203.85 per week. That is dependent on national insurance records. Taking the example of our investor who continually invested until they were 45, the annual dividend payments come to £545.55 a week which is more than double of what the current pension would pay. Given the current pension age is 66, our person at 45 is much better off 21 years sooner. Having explored that example, you may have wondered why, if this is such a good method for retirement, then why doesn't the government do something like this? It's a fair question. And I believe it will simply come down to being a logistic and administrative nightmare. However, that being said, the government could open an ISA for every child that is born, put £1,000 into it and leave it untouched until that child reaches their pension age. And the dividend payments alone would be more than the current pension payments. However, I don't think this is going to be a likely outcome and it will definitely be left to parents to ensure that their child's financial future is in hand. So you've decided you'd like to open a JISA for your child. Where do you start? Again, with everything I do, keep it simple. Go onto Google or any other search engine of your choice and search for a junior ISA and explore the options it gives you. There are numerous providers of junior stocks and shares ISA all with different investment options and also fees. And this will be the research that you will need to complete. Whilst conducting some research for this episode, I came across a website, which is www.moneytothemasses.com. And on here they have an article on the best ISAs, which includes cash ISAs, as well as stocks and shares ISAs. In this article, they break down the providers such as Hargreaves, Lansdowne and Wealthify, their minimum investments, their costs, and the variety of investment options. If you have decided that this is a route you'd like to take, be sure to take time to research providers and how they best fit into your financial situation, and if you are ever unsure, please seek out the advice of a financial advisor. If you would like to review the article on Money to the Masses, I'll put the link in the show notes. Having opened an account, what should you invest in? This will be very much dependent on who the account is with and what investment options they have. My personal preference would be to invest in something, whether this be an ETF or a fund, that pays a dividend and tracks the market. For example, something like the Vanguard FTSE All World High Dividend which currently pays a dividend yield of around 4% and tracks companies around the world and investing companies such as ExxonMobil, Johnson & Johnson, JP Morgan & Chase and Procter & Gamble to name but a few. Other ETFs and funds are available and you'll need to complete research to identify which suits you best and again, if you are unsure, do seek the advice of a financial advisor. 
so we've covered very briefly a JISA or Junior ISA. However, there is another investment option when looking towards retirement, and this is a SIP or a self-invested personal pension. They are very similar to an ISA, but with two noticeable differences. Firstly, you cannot withdraw any funds from the SIP until you are 55. Now, this will become 57 from 2028. I would also anticipate this going up again in the future, especially as life prediction appears to continue to be on the up. Secondly, after withdrawing up to 25% of the pot, which is up to a maximum of £268,275, any further withdrawals are taxable. This is in stark contrast to the ISA, where any interest on a cash ISA is tax-free, and in a stocks and shares ISA, any capital gains or dividends payments are also tax-free. With a SIP, this method does guarantee that a parent could set up the investment for their child and know that they won't be able to access it until their retirement, especially if there were concerns that any funds may then be squandered, given that the SIP would have likely been set up by a parent when they had a young child, it is unlikely they would have foreseen that their child would squander any money they came into, but this would also then likely give any parent peace of mind. Now, I'm not a fan of the SIP, and my dislike for the SIP is when it comes to with the withdrawals becoming taxable. Nigh on everything we pay for these days has some form of tax attached to it. We have income tax, council tax, fuel tax, road tax, value added tax, insurance premium tax which the insurance companies so kindly pass on to their customers and the most abhorrent of all, inheritance tax. Taking all of this into consideration, I do not want to pay a single penny more of tax than I have to and this is why I would always opt for the ISA as any capital gains or dividend payments are tax free. Now, I have mentioned before that one of my goals is to build generational wealth. I am very aware that at the age of 30 that I am a little late to the game, as all my previous investment starts have stalled for one reason or another. To counter this, and to ensure that generational wealth is built within my family for years to come, not only am I going to continue to invest in my portfolio, but I'm going to do exactly what I've discussed in this episode. When I do have a child or children, I will open a JISA for them and make regular contributions into that account for them. I'll likely to look to invest in something like, although not necessarily specifically, the Vanguard FTSE All World High Dividend, but also other ETFs which track the FTSE 100 and the S&P 500 to ensure that I don't have all my eggs in one basket and that there is a good level of diversification within that investment. If anything, this episode has identified the benefits to long-term investing and how an initial relatively small amount can turn into a significantly larger amount as long as there is consistency and resolve. The consistency being the regular investment and reinvestment of dividends and the resolve to leave the account untouched and to allow it to grow. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it interesting. If you liked the episode, please follow me on wherever you get your podcast. It would be amazing if I could get my first follower by the end of May. And please do give me a follow on Twitter at UKDivInvestor. Finally, please note that I am not a financial advisor and that this episode has been created for entertainment purposes. Ensure you complete appropriate checks when investing and I am not responsible for your losses nor your profits. Until next time, stay safe and take care.